Welcome to Yale Cancer Center Answers with your hosts, Drs. Anish Chagpar, Susan Higgins, and Stephen Gore. Dr. Chagpar is Associate Professor of Surgical Oncology and Director of the Breast Center at Smilo Cancer Hospital. Dr. Higgins is Professor of Therapeutic Radiology and of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences. And Dr. Gore is Director of Hematological Malignancies at Smilo and an expert on myelodysplastic syndromes. Yale Cancer Center Answers features weekly conversations about the research, diagnosis, and treatment of cancer. And if you'd like to join the conversation, you can email your questions and comments to canceranswers at yale.edu, or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. This week, it's a conversation about the emotional and mental impact of cancer with Dr. David Sells. Dr. Sells is Associate Research Scientist in Psychiatry at Yale School of Medicine. Here's Dr. Anise Chagpar. Dr. Sells, you know, we talk a lot on this show about cancer, but one of the things that I think often goes missed as we're talking about the genomics and the biology and all of these advances that we're making in terms of therapies of cancer is the emotional impact that it has on cancer patients. Tell us more about that. Yeah, well, it's such a profound experience and uh, uh, one that has uh, a lot of social overtones as well, continued social overtones that um, it has the ability to uh, affect your sense of, of who you are. Uh, a lot of people end up uh, adopting an identity of being a cancer survivor or cancer uh, patient because, you know, the, uh, the experience of diagnosis, the rigors of treatment, the experience of the illness itself are also profound. So, um, it has um, it has a transformative experience for a lot of people, and along with that comes um, a transformative uh, uh, way of of being. Um, sometimes good, but uh, usually in the short term, it's uh, it's something that is unfamiliar and uh, and frightening. And uh, like that, uh, you have uh, corresponding you know emotional um, reactions. You might say. Um, uh, that uh, our experience is problematic. Anxiety, fear, sense of a foreshortened future, all of these things, um, you know, affect your, uh, your way of uh, being emotionally. And they um, tend to infiltrate, you know, different parts of your life um, uh, significantly. So, I, I mean, I think that those emotional reactions, the fear, the anxiety, would really be pretty normal, pretty much anticipated. You know, you've just gone through this diagnosis, you're wondering about, oh my gosh, am I going to recur? Uh, will this happen again? What's going to happen to my children? Might I die? I think that's understandable. So how do patients deal with that? Uh, what? How do they deal with that emotional baggage? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of people have um, different types of uh, coping mechanisms in place, and uh, they, that can range anywhere from, you know, sharing with the loved one who, um, who sort of gets it, you know, they sort of get who you are, they sort of get as well as they can, not being the person who is undergoing this, what the experience is like. Um, uh, some people have uh, activities that are so profoundly engrossing for them 
hobbies and could range anywhere from car repair to painting, um, uh, that it uh, serves as a sufficient distraction um, and uh, even even a, a, a mode of self-expression, depending on what they might paint about, mm-hmm. for example. Um, so there's a channel of, uh, of opportunity there. Um, other folks, uh, you know, might uh, reach out to, uh, to a therapist or um, uh, somebody in their spiritual community mm-hmm. uh, if, they, uh, if they belong to one. Um, so, it, you know, there's such a variety of it and, of course, a combination of all of these things, and, and none of what I said is exhaustive, of course, um, that, uh, you know, a person's way of coping uh, uh, with it is uh, as about as unique as the person uh, herself or himself. Yeah, because, you know, oftentimes cancer centers uh, have some sort of facility to uh, help people with that emotional baggage, whether it is, for example, through complementary therapy, Reiki, art therapy, massage, um, guided imagery, whether it is through support groups, whether it is through uh, social work and mental health. Um So talk a little bit about um, the differences that patients have in terms of which therapies um, might be best for them. Because as you say, what I found um, in my practice is that um, many patients, you know, what's good for some may not be good for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's certainly a variety of uh, of ways to sort of go about getting support and, and guidance and and saying that you know you might um, you might consider for the individual uh, what um, what's more important to them on balance uh, is getting more support and feeling um, loved and and cared for and understood um, uh, the thing that that makes the difference for them or does it have something more to do with uh, with guidance practical guidance which is another way of expressing care and love which is you know i have these bad burns from from radiation and then you know somebody might suggest a, a remedy uh, either a clinical one or one that's uh, you know uh, herbal or you know what have you uh, perhaps someone who's been through the experience himself. And that's what really does it for them. They're sort of practical guidance because they receive it as a message of care. So, you know, how things are um, offered and how they're received makes a big difference. And again, it, it ends up being different for every for every person. That's why it's, um, uh, it's wonderful that uh, a place like... Uh, uh, you know, Yale Cancer Center has so many different mm-hmm. uh, options for support and guidance um, because you have so many different uh, souls coming yeah. in for care. Yeah, and I guess the other the other way of of kind of finding your way or getting emotional support, um, which ties into some of your research, has to do with having somebody who has gone through it themselves share their experiences. Can you talk a little bit about your findings and how that works and how how some patients find that that can be pretty helpful? Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, there's nothing like having been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, folks who uh, have been there also have the immediate credibility with uh, uh, a person going through the experience now that they surely get it, you know, in their own way. But there's somebody who who knows what it's like. 
Some things you go through in this experience between diagnosis, illness, treatment, are things that are very difficult to express to anybody. Um, and some of the things that we touched on earlier are part of that. Uh, so somebody going who's gone through that gets it. So they have that credibility, they have that understanding. And if they have a sort of, uh, I guess you could say, clinical flair of sorts, um, they can be there uh, for that person in a way that others can't. Mm -hmm. Um, They can engage them if the person is reticent to talk or express some of the uh, experiences that they've had and kind of keeping it in the baggage, so to speak. This provides an opportunity to unpack. Um, and uh, uh, opportunity for expression, which is always, uh, uh, you know, or generally a good thing uh, for most people. Um, so, you know, I found it to be, uh, you know, in, in my research has just been absolutely critical for people that they've had um, that sort of uh, outlet with somebody who really knows what it's like. So I think for for many patients, it's nice to have somebody who has gone through it because then you can, they they can relate. But even in that experience, even though they, quote, get it, sometimes that experience is individual to every single patient. So the emotional support, the family support, the social support that I may have, my particular biology, my particular cancer, my particular treatments may be very different from yours. And therefore, while we share a common diagnosis, and yes, some of the things, the anxiety, the fears may be similar, they may be different as well. Have you found that 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 um, can sometimes uh, temper this peer mentorship uh, that you found? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, a, a, a peer is in the, the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. uh, to a large extent. And, and the fact that we've both had, you know, a similar experience doesn't necessarily mean that we'll see, you know, eye to eye or that that'll, you know, um, create a bridge of sorts for, uh, for me to express, um, you know, unexpressible things. Uh, so it doesn't always work. And when it does, it's on a continuum, Mm -hmm. uh, for some folks, um, it makes a lot of difference and for some, mm, not so much. So the, the points, you know, very well taken that, um, there's a range. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the other the other way where this plays in is, you know, so often when patients are given a variety of treatment options, they'll say, oh, well, my fill in the blank here, my cousin, my best friend, my brother-in-law's sister um, had X. They chose treatment X. But the question really for me is to bring the patient back to that may be right for them. Have you really thought about and internalized whether that's right for you? And so how does that dynamic of, you know, trying to uh, uh, take and appreciate the experience of a peer uh, translate into a person thinking about uh, their own experience and how they might use that to their benefit? Yeah, I mean, we we all sort of pick and choose the the, the types of things that we uh, that we take from others in terms of their you know well intentioned advice mm-hmm. and um, um, and uh, um, you know empathic uh, gestures. 
Uh, and some of those things are, are powerful and some of them, mm, they might not be so much. Um, and that's, you know, you know, that's a hallmark of, of, uh, of peer services. What, what ends up being, um, critical is a sense of, um, of match, mm-hmm. not just along the lines of, you know, we both had this experience, but we sort of, we relate to each other. And that's something that I've found seems to happen fairly immediately. And just like in, you know, uh, psychotherapy. So I've been trained as a psychologist. Um, uh, what, um, what really heals is the relationship and that, um, common experience provides one possibility for engaging, uh, in, you know, a therapeutic, um, type of relationship you know like point well taken it it doesn't always work and and uh, other people are going to look for other avenues to sort of regain their sense of of vitality uh, and purpose if it's been disrupted by this experience mm-hmm. yeah you know and i want to harken back to something that you mentioned a little bit in passing um which is with regards to the the stigma of cancer and how it's this transformative experience that um, makes patients now label themselves, feel themselves to be a, quote, cancer patient, which can be either really good. I mean, we've all seen cancer survivors celebrating the fact that they are a survivor and they are going to shout it at the top of the mountaintops um, and cheer everybody else on and raise awareness, and it's it's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and others who are, in a sense, burdened by that realization. Um, so... In, we're, we're just at the halfway point of the show, and we sadly have to take a, a short break for a medical minute. But when we return, what I'd really like to do is to get your sense of how this stigma affects cancer patients um, and how they, they internalize it or not and how they can deal with that. We'll be right back after we take this short break for a medical minute. There are over 13 million cancer survivors in the United States and over 100,000 here in Connecticut. Completing treatment is an exciting milestone, but cancer and its treatment can be a life-changing experience. Following treatment, cancer survivors can face several long-term side effects of cancer, including heart problems, osteoporosis, fertility issues, and an increased risk of second cancers. Resources for cancer survivors are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers to help keep cancer survivors focused on healthy living. The Survivorship Clinic at Yale Cancer Center focuses on providing guidance and direction to empower survivors to maximize their health, quality of life, and longevity. This has been a Medical Minute brought to you as a public service by Yale Cancer Center and Smilo Cancer Hospital at Yale New Haven. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Center Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. David Sells. We're talking about the psychiatry of cancer. And right before the break, we started to really unwrap this whole idea of stigma. Now, I will tell you a little story here, and this is a true story. My mother was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and she went through treatment, and she started to tell everybody about 
breast cancer and the fact that they should get a mammogram and because she got a mammogram they found this really early and she wanted to make sure that other people could learn from her experience Um, And one of the things that she told me that for her was quite curious was the fact that as she would do this, people would come up to her and say, well, actually, I too was diagnosed, but I didn't tell anyone. And my mom was really quite surprised by this because she said, I don't I don't get why you would keep that a secret. What is the stigma behind cancer? It's not like you did anything to cause this. It's not like it's something, quote, bad. But yet, Dr. Sells, it's something that for a lot of patients, it is something that they they are perhaps somewhat ashamed of. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I, I think that it's... Um it's something that perhaps was a little more common, um, you know, uh, back 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, the stigma attached with it because it was, you know, uh, understood to be uh, um, terminal, uh, you know, frightening, uh, all that stuff. So people tend to, um, people tend to sort of shy away from from talking about frightening things. They don't know how to give support in that um, type of situation. And the people who have it, uh, you know, who've been diagnosed with cancer don't want to be a burden um, uh, to others. So it becomes something that becomes, you know, through sometimes overt cues and sometimes quite subtle, but also equally powerful cues, um, hidden. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and and sometimes even with some you know degree of uh, with degree of shame, um, you know from that point you get into the notion of uh, psychological recovery mm-hmm. from the experience, from uh, the social uh, overtones uh, of the illness, which have to do with redefining yourself as a person who has this. But isn't this? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's critical, um, you know. So I, I would suggest that uh, psychological recovery from it has to do with, um, you know, recognition or re-recognition, a reminder somehow uh, that you are other things, yeah, and and perhaps primarily other things. Right. In addition, you have this, you know, illness, and from that point forward, it becomes. Um, less difficult perhaps to um to share yeah i i I think that 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 is uh so right on the mark um my mom bounced back had her surgery we were out shopping the next day and, and people were like oh my goodness and she was like what it was a bump in the road, so I had cancer. I had my surgery. I'm done now. Um, uh, she she is a remarkable, remarkable individual, and I think that for her, this was just a thing, just like any other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a an ailment like you know a, a cold. Okay, cancer is much worse than a cold, but um, like many of the medical conditions that we deal with, that doesn't define us. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think I think that that um, was really important. You know, I guess the other thing too um, that ties into this feeling 
of shame is for some cancers, there may be more baggage associated with it because of its etiology. So, for example, in patients who have lung cancer who smoked for 40 years, do, do you find that they have more guilt because they feel like they caused this? Or uh, people who have HIV-associated malignancies that, that they feel that they, that somehow this was uh, a, a shameful uh, thing. How do we get beyond that? How do we get to empowering patients to say, yes, I had cancer, I am a survivor, but I am much more than that? Mm-hmm. Right. It's a, it's a matter of um, uh, encouraging and reconnecting them with um, their uh, other ways of defining um, their cells. Um, and, uh, you know, that could be, you know, their jobs, their families, you know, defined as a father or a mother, um, uh, and their professions uh, sometimes are a big deal. A lot of people will, um, uh, you know, double up in their professional life if they're feeling up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to sort of reinforce uh, that that kind of um, identity, um, yeah. There's always a question of of meaning. Where did this come from? You know, w- w- you know why why has this happened uh, to me? And uh, sometimes, if uh, they suspect it was um, you know a past behavior, sure, there might be some some guilt and and shame, uh, you know, tied to the experience as well. Uh, not that she, you know, they ever know definitively, but uh, we all want to know <laughs> yeah. so badly that um, you know it, that's one of the directions it can go in when this when this sort of storm erupts yeah. around them. And it must be it must be difficult to kind of get into the headspace of whatever was in the past that led up to this was in the past and led up to this. I'm here now. Hmm. I'm dealing with this cancer now, but I am going to move forward in the future in a, a productive way, I, regardless of, of the past. And I think that perhaps getting to that headspace in the whirlwind of cancer therapy and diagnosis and, and all of the psychology that goes into, but what caused this and, and why me, might be difficult. Can you're saying that it would be difficult to 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 get to that point oh, of absolutely. I'm going to put this behind me because absolutely. I think that that's essentially where you need to get to is it doesn't it doesn't matter what caused it yeah no you know we're here now you know that that's such an important point it's nothing short of an epic journey mm-hmm. through you know the storm of of diagnosis and treatments and the illness itself of course and communicating it to loved ones and and uh it's an epic um uh quest as i call it before it i had this um idea in my mind after doing a number of interviews with people um that it wasn't unlike uh you know a, a mythical quest that uh, uh psyche who um was um was a was a mortal in Greek mythology. She was looking for her her love, her Eros. Eros was was a god who had fallen in love with her, but they had a falling out. Mm-hmm. Had to do uh, with a number of things. Um, but she went on this quest 
to uh, regain her eros. Everybody goes on this quest differently. And, of course, uh, uh, upon this quest, she was faced with, um, you know, uh, um, what felt like insurmountable types of challenges and and tasks and um and uh you know it was it was you know all quite harrowing unlike a lot of greek myths it has a happy ending because she did find regain her arrows and um uh but you know i use that on you know in part i guess to remind myself um you know lest i forget uh what a profound challenge it is to regain one sense of of self and uh, and uh, vitality for a lot of people um, after uh, these experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the story kind of made me think about another element of this whole situation, which is that as we are individuals in relationships, in families, in communities, in societies, um, how do those relationships also vary? Um, hmm. either with just the knowledge of the diagnosis or with the ramifications of the treatments. So, you know, for women who uh, undergo mastectomies, for example, one of the questions always is, how does this affect your body image, your sense of femininity, your fe- sense of sexuality, this whole concept of, you know, will my will my husband, lover, whatever still care for me, um, how much does that play in to the whole psychology of, of cancer and this sense of, I am more than my cancer? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, our, our bodies are, are, are perhaps our greatest personal possession. And, uh, you know, if, uh, you know if, they're, if they're changed in a manner that's, um, you know, visible or, or, or otherwise, um, uh, that demands um, a psychological adjustment, usually, you know, um, a, a stage of uh, grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody, again, you know, given, given all our differences, uh, you know, personally, uh, can go through that different, differently. Uh, some people, uh, you know, bounce back uh, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine perhaps your mom went through, uh, you know, a stage of grief, but maybe it was very short. Or maybe, you know, um, uh, she uh, was able to, uh, she's she's built differently. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do think it's, it is so individual, uh, mm-hmm. has been my experience. My mom um, is remarkable. Uh, so, mom, if you're listening to the show, you are, uh, I've said it to the world, uh, just an incredible, <laughs> remarkable woman. And she just bounced back. She really did take it like a bump in the road. But so many patients, even if there isn't, you know, a a uh, physical insult, um, even just the mental cognition of I am now a cancer survivor changes in some way those relationships and i find that it it often is um patients who have very strong support who um have families who say you know what 
we're here for you no matter what. We love you no matter what. Um, that's one situation. But there are situations where people end up, as they go through this cancer diagnosis, having relationships fall apart. And, you know, and so I think it, it all speaks to um, both how cancer has an impact on that individual's psyche um, and their relationships, but also I find that it is a truth-telling of the relationship itself as to how it is enduring or not. A litmus test of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and a lot of people find that, you know, I mean, they're, 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 um, their social networks shift and rearrange uh, uh, after something like this, which is, you know, profound, but it's all part of that, you know, storm. Uh, And uh, some people uh, come through as angels that you wouldn't have expected, um, whereas others that you sort of expected to sort of stand right by you um, uh, sort of haven't um, quite, uh, you know, lived up to that. Uh, expectation and and of course it changes the relationship and since you know to a large extent we also understand ourselves in reference to our relationships it changes our identity in those ways as well Mm -hmm. Um, meaning uh, I'm close to this person and not that person uh, anymore and uh, yeah it feels like a different world yeah Yeah. and and I, I I think you know one of the the things just as we're wrapping up that uh, I'd like you to speak to uh, fairly quickly is that I've also found that patients um, sometimes celebrate and they transform into people who can actually do things that they never thought they'd do because of this experience. Have you found the same? Oh, sure. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's on the positive end of the transformative, uh, you know, type of experience uh, of it. Um, they end up uh, feeling more connected with uh, with others, more um uh, uh, invested in a particular uh, type of activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'll just say my father has, uh, has become an award-winning artist since his uh, diagnosis in 2005, uh, speaking of parents. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a new, uh, you know, type of identity. Dr. David Sells is Associate Research Scientist in Psychiatry at Yale School of Medicine. We invite you to share your questions and comments. You can send them to canceranswers at yale.edu or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. And as an additional resource, archived programs are available in both audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We'd like to thank the Yale Cancer Center for providing production support for this program. And we'd also like to thank Renee Gaudette, Emily Fenton, and the staff of the Yale Broadcast and Media Center. I'm Bruce Barber, hoping you'll join us again next Sunday evening at 6 for another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers here on WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.